man, I heard great things about the missions uh, weekend, the Sunday service, that it really went well. And uh, I got a call or a text from Isaac Shaw, our, uh, our missionary who's over the uh, New Delhi Bible Institute. And he, was, he, he came down sick. And he said, Greg, I, it's Sunday morning. He goes, I don't know what to do. I don't think I can be there. I said, that's okay. God will provide. And then he sent his assistant, one of his guys. I heard he did a great job. So praise God. God is so good to us, isn't he? We've got great elder leaders. Let me tell you, I'm not looking for this to happen, but if the Lord took me out tonight, this church can keep right on going because God's already raised up spiritual leaders, pastors. And so we're just a blessed body. You know, We give him all the glory for it. So that's enough on all that. That's actually more than I wanted to say, but you know how it is. You get going and you can't stop. Uh, I'm overjoyed. So we're going to open with prayer, and then let's get started tonight, okay? Father, we want to come before you tonight with humble hearts. When we really stop and consider all that you have done for the protection for the provision. We thank you for who you are, for your nature, for your character. We thank you for the, 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 the self-disclosure in the doctrines taught in the Bible about you, theology about you, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the church. Everything that really matters in this life, you taught us. And so tonight, with humble hearts, thankful hearts, we come with hungry hearts. We're asking that you would feed us tonight from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, last Wednesday at Bible study, we carried over from the Sunday morning before, and we dealt with big questions. That's the title of the series, Big Questions. And we dealt with, what was the question on that Sunday morning? Anybody remember? I'm sorry? Anybody? Evil was last Wednesday night. We talked about evil and suffering. How could a lo- how does how does how does a loving God send people to hell? And we turned that around. We got rid of the false assumptions in that. If you're going to get a right a, a right outcome, you got to have a right assumption, right? And we let the Scripture clean that up for us. And we said that God is loving, and yet people go to hell. He didn't send them. But they go to hell. And why? Well, last week, Wednesday night, we came in, why does God allow evil and suffering in this world? And we only got through the first part, which was about evil. And I'm probably not going to even get to the suffering tonight. We'll finish up and give some, some, some biblical answers about the evil that's in the world. Uh, but we first learned last week, if you remember, we talked about the four kinds of evil that are, that are in this world. And then we asked who is responsible for the existence of evil and suffering in the world. And it's at that point that many Christians, not a few, many, try to give reasons to skip around God having any responsibility for the evil that is in the world. That's just our nature. We want to protect God. We want to to, keep God from being looked at as if He did something bad. And, uh, And so... Uh, but w- then we looked, we looked at the scriptures, 
And we probably pulled up at least 10 scriptures, and maybe more than that, I forget how many, where God's saying to us, why are you protecting me? Why are you trying to keep me from the responsibility of the existence of evil and suffering in the world? And he clearly identifies that he is responsible for the existence of those things. And somebody would say, no, no, no. It was Adam and Eve who sinned in the garden. I had to really, really rethink my own theology here because I found myself often just referring, going only as far as Adam and Eve. That's why we have sin in the world. That is true. They, they gave into it, right? Made perfect. They sinned. They fell. But wait a minute. Did God not know that they would fall when he made them? Now, if you say, no, he, and a lot of Christians think, well, you know, God withheld himself from certain acts of sovereignty, so he didn't know. Uh, reality is, you just changed the character of God, and now you're worshiping another God. Because the reality is, God knew that they would sin before he even made them. You say, well, okay, it was Satan, you know, and, and the response is, well, okay, Satan. Did God not create Satan? And did God not know what Satan would do? That he would turn to evil? He would try to be like God? God knew all that. You cannot take the finger off of God. If you do, if you try to save God, help God, protect God, you're changing his character. And his word says that. So that's a really heavy one for a lot of us. But I'm going to tell you something. Until you get it, until you can believe that, what the Bible's saying, you will never experience the depth of worship of God that he desires you to have. Because you're worshiping parts of what the scripture says, but you're ignoring other parts. So you don't have a whole picture of God. We've got to, look, we've got to open ourselves to the Bible. We need to be not just, you know, Christians who believe a certain way, we need to be Bible Christians. That I base my life on a biblical worldview. What I believe, what I trust in this world is coming from here. There is no other source. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. So all the opinions of all these really smart people, all of your opinions based on your experiences in life, they amount to a hill of beans because when you die, they go with you. But what Jesus has said, what the Word of God says, as the inspired uh, Word of God, it never changes. It never leaves. Amen? Amen? What we read here is going to be true in heaven. God's not going to change it and say, well, we, we just kind of tweaked it a little bit for those of you on earth. No, no. He, he give, he's giving us everything that we need on earth to know about him. And all of it should matter. So with that little intro, uh, I said God's not taking himself off the hook. He's taking responsibility for the evil in the world. So let me give you some passages again. Write these down. I'll read them quickly. I've only put maybe four or five of them in here. I could give you a lot more. And if you want them, let me know. And I'll go on my computer and I'll list them up and, and get them out to you. Yes, they're repeat from last week, okay? Some of them, not all of them. I'm not giving you all the ones, but this is just a few. 
Yes. So Psalm 103.19. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Anything in this world, including sin, evil, sickness, suffering, his, he has sovereign rule over all of it. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Everything God does fits his character, his nature, and he has a purpose in it. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. What you have to see in that is this. God believes and will accomplish His purpose, and some of it through evil and suffering. Okay? 1 Samuel 2, 6 through 8. 1 Samuel 2, 6 through 8. The Lord kills and brings to life. The Lord kills and brings to life. If you want to take God off the hook, you're going to have to explain to me the great flood. Because God killed millions of people. God did that. He says, I kill and I bring to life. He brings down the Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He has set the world. Don't ever forget. Don't, don't lose the thought of the sovereignty of God over everything. He, if there's one thing on this earth that He's not sovereign over, evil, suffering, sickness, sin, He's not God. He is sovereign over it all. Amos 3.6 Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Is it possible for a city to experience disaster and it not be the Lord who ultimately bears responsibility for that existence of, of, of that destruction? So these are passages where God takes full responsibility for the existence of evil. Since, and, and there's a lot more. They're even more specific. He actually says, did I not make the deaf? Did I not make the blind? We want to get God off the hook for that kind of stuff. He says, don't take me off the hook. People will never know my pure, true character and they'll never know the re how God uses or purposes even bad things, evil, suffering. And we're going to talk about that in just a little while. So, uh, God claims responsibility for the existence of evil and suffering in the world. So that's, we kind of covered that last week. And so now let's keep going. T tonight I want to conclude this part of the question about suffering, okay? 
Uh, why does God allow evil and suffering in this world? And let me go ahead and give you a couple better questions to ask than that. Okay? So write these down. If God is responsible for the existence of evil and suffering in the world, why? To what end 